Again, for this time and this place we have, God, to study your word. Thank you that we have the opportunity and you've given us the freedom, Lord, in this country to do this very thing. And Lord, we want to uh, take advantage, Lord, take the opportunity today to seek you today in your word, Lord. And I pray that you would speak to us, God, that your spirit would give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying. And Lord, that you would comfort our hearts, encourage us, Lord, and lift us up, Lord. And I pray you anoint this time with your spirit, and I ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, there's this old joke where a man died and went to heaven. Okay, it's one of those. And of course, he meets up with St. Peter at the pearly gates. Now, when he appears there, Peter tells the man, here's how it works. You need a hundred points to make it into heaven. You tell me all the good things you've done, and I give you a certain number of points for each item, depending how good it was. When you reach a hundred points, you get in. Let's see, said the man. Well, I was married for 50 years and never cheated on my wife, even in my heart. That's wonderful, said Peter. That's worth three points. Three points, questioned the man. Well, okay, all right. I regularly attended church all my life, gave my tithes and offerings, and served even there faithfully. Marvelous, said Peter. That's certainly worth one point. (laughs) What, said the man. Only one point? All right, all right, okay. I also started a a, a soup kitchen. Uh, I worked in a shelter for homeless veterans and went on mission trips to share the gospel in foreign countries. Fantastic, said Peter. That's good for two more points. Two points, the man cried. That's crazy. At this rate, the only way I'll get into heaven is by the grace of God. Bingo, said Peter. 100 points, come on in. I like that one. Well, it's true, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're saved by grace through faith. But let me tell you something. Not not only do believers get into heaven by grace, but did you know that we also can find help through grace? As we continue our study in the book of Hebrews, we find this invitation to go to our understanding, sympathetic high priest, Jesus Christ. For he is always ready to help there in heaven in the throne of grace. And that's the title of our message, the throne of grace of grace the throne of grace we're going to be studying hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 we ended up on verse 13 we're going to continue on finish this chapter three verses verses 14 through 16 hebrews 4 the throne of grace and this is our outline for this morning number one he's there in heaven number two he's there and knows and number three he's there to help i'll give it to you as we move along here but let's begin with number one he's there in heaven the throne of grace hebrews chapter four he's there in heaven number one take a look with me here now verse 14 hebrews 4 verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession we'll stop right there now we begin with these two words seeing then Or, in other words, the writer's going on here and he says, Now, as I was talking about earlier, 
So he's referring back to something he talked about earlier, and that's really back in chapter 2, verse 17, and chapter 3, verse 1, where he stated that Jesus is our high priest. Remember, we covered that a couple times, but we're going to come back to that now. And the writer's like, hey, now, so seeing that, now as I was talking about earlier, so he introduces now, Jesus, our high priest, not just our high priest, but he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest. He's just not any high priest, but Jesus is our great high priest. Now, the writer brings up how Jesus is our high priest like no other high priest ever. Now, remember, the writer, he, he's, he, he's, he's giving this to the Jews, right? That's why this book is called Hebrews, right? Primarily, he's writing to the Jews. And here, the writers bring up, again, something that they can relate to. And we talked about this before, but I just want to put it, bring it up into your minds because it's going to relate to what he writes about. So, if you remember how once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest and only the high priest would go into the inner court, right? And then he would enter into the holiest of holies where the ark was. And there, this appointed high priest would disappear behind the curtain separating those two areas and offer atonement for the people. Now, as an as a earthly high priest, sometimes, uh, just in case, if the high priest didn't properly atone for his own sins, you know what they would do? They would tie a rope to his ankle. And as he went in behind the curtain, as he disappeared in there, if they stopped hearing the little jingling of the bells that were on the hem of his robe, that meant something happened. That meant that maybe that atonement didn't stick there for this high priest and they, they could pull him out. Because no one could go into the very holiest of holies, only the high priest once every year after he properly did the the ritual and the right sacrifices. So they they would pull him out, yeah, because he's before the holy God in that Shekinah glory there. So no one but the high priest could go in. They'd have a robe, and here's this earthly priest, and and it, it was a big thing now to enter into the holy holies. But the writer really is putting this out for you guys. It's not, that's not like, It's not like that with our high priest. Jesus is not some earthly priest. He is our great high priest. And he unfolds this in a couple ways here. We find in verse 14, he goes on. He says, Jesus is greater or uh, the great high priest in that he has passed through the heavens. So here's the first thing that really differentiates him from the earthly priest, that he's passed through heaven. The heavens, which speaks of Christ's ascension. Notice it says here, heavens, right? It's in a plural form. That, that's because in the Jewish thinking, there's, there's three heavens, actually. The first one is the earth's atmosphere, the sky. The second is what we call space, where the stars are at. But the third heaven is what we today understand as heaven, where God's eternal presence resides. So, as the earthly high priest passed through the outer court into the inner court and then disappeared into the holiest of holies. Now Jesus has ascended, disappeared into the heavens. He went through three areas. He went through the atmosphere, he went through space, and then disappeared into the heavenly temple. 
John MacArthur said, When Jesus entered the heavenly holy of holies, having accomplished redemption, the earthly facsimile was replaced by the reality of heaven itself. I like that. See, the earthly temple was symbolic to the heavenly temple. And that is where Jesus is, our great high priest. That's where he is right now. So Jesus is our great high priest because he entered and resides in heaven right now. So that's the first thing that really makes him our great high priest, different from the earthly priest. Well, he goes on here in verse 14. Jesus is greater for he is, it says, Jesus the Son of God. Son speaks of His humanity. God, of course, speaks of His deity. Jesus, as we talked about in the past, Jesus is fully God, fully man. And as high priest, He is the mediator between God and man, just like the earthly priest was. And Jesus, with His dual nature now, only He can do this, represent God to us and represent us to God. So as the earthly priest stood between God and the people of Israel, so now Jesus is the mediator between God and believers. And we've talked about that in, before in this book. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But let me add this thought to this. As Jesus, the Son of God, makes him our mediator in heaven, also Jesus, the Son of God, means... He's sitting on the throne. You, re- you may remember back in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the second part, it says, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This not only speaks of Christ's authority and power, but also the position the heavenly Father gave him. Jesus rules and reigns, right? As king, he's sitting on the throne. So we know Jesus, the Son of God, he is Lord, he's sitting on the throne so the writers like saying this in verse 14 now as i was talking about earlier see how jesus is our great high priest because he's in the heavenly tabernacle because he's the son of god our mediator and he sits on the throne in heaven and so he's saying because of all that at the end of verse 14 let us hold fast our confession in other words, let us hold on to our faith that we confessed in, in Jesus when we first got saved. Now remember the background here. The writer is, has been addressing this little by little throughout this book. And we've been finding how that these Jewish believers, they were starting to waver in their faith, right? Because of persecution, because of pressure from their family. What, you following? What is this Jesus? What? No, you got to come back to the Jewish traditions and all that. So remember, so here's the writers like, hey, hold fast to our confession. Hang on. The idea here is hang on to what we believe for this great high priest in heaven is your personal Lord and Savior. It's like he's saying you have a personal high priest there. He's there in heaven. That's our heading in our outline. He's there in heaven. I came across this poem by the Lord A.P. Cecil. It was written in the 1800s. And it, it, part of it goes like this. Our great high priest is sitting at God's right hand above. For us his hands uplifting in sympathy and love. Whilst here below in weakness we onward speed our way, in sorrow often and sickness we sigh and groan and pray. 
Through manifold temptation, my soul holds on her course. Christ's mighty intercession alone is her resource. I love this. We have this high priest, this mediator, and he's the Lord. He's sitting on the throne. He's the one who died for us on the cross. He's there. Think about it. We have this king in heaven, and he's our high priest. And we personally know this high priest. He is Jesus, our Jesus, our Lord. Which brings us to the writer's point here. You are in personal contact with the great high priest of heaven who is the king sitting on the throne. Let that sink in. You are in personal contact, you guys, with the great high priest of heaven who is the king sitting on the throne. Isn't that encouraging? We know the guy, right? We know this great high priest. We have a relationship with him. He's not just, oh, this guy and we're just one of the people. We know him because he saved us, because of our confession, because we came to the Lord and we gave him our life and we have this relationship that has opened up to us because he died on the cross. You are in personal contact with the great high priest of heaven who is the king sitting on the throne. I heard about a lady that was pulled over by the police and (coughs) the officer asked her for her license and registration. The officer noticed on her license that it said it required her to wear eyeglasses and she wasn't wearing any. Well, when the officer inquired about it, the lady said, but officer, I have contacts. The officer replied firmly, lady, I don't care who you know, you've got to wear your glasses to drive. You get it? Contacts, right? I know people, right? Well, it's true, though. Sometimes it's not so much what you know, but it's who you know that matters. It's the connections that can help you in this life. Well, that's the point, right? That's the point. Know this. You and I, we've got to know this, that you have a great high priest in heaven, and, and he's the Lord Jesus, and he loves you. He died for you. He's the one who saved you. He's your mediator up there. That means he's there for your benefit. He's there in the highest position. He's there with all the resources at his disposal. He's there, but he's there for you. You are in personal contact with the great high priest of heaven who is the king sitting on the throne. Isn't that great to know, you guys? Isn't that great to be reassured of here? Perhaps you've been feeling like, does God even care about me? Does God not, you know, even wonder what's going on? Is he just waiting for me to fail? Is he ignoring me? Is it all up to me to make it through? Let me say, no. No, you do have a connection. You have a connection to someone up there in heaven. And guess what? It's not just anybody. You actually have a personal relationship with this person. Who is that? It's your great high priest, Jesus. And guess what? He's the one in charge, too. He's the one in charge. He's the one that can make things happen. This is your connection. You are in personal contact with the great high priest of heaven who is the king 
sitting on the throne. He's there in heaven. Let's go on here to number two in our outline. He's there and knows. He there, he's there and knows. We've seen he's there in heaven. Number two, he's there and knows. Hebrews chapter 4, the next verse, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now the writer says, he's been saying, right, look, keep the faith in Jesus. Keep the faith in our personal high priest. Why is that? For your high priest is not someone who cannot sympathize with your weaknesses. In other words, Jesus, our high priest, your high priest, totally understands what you're going through. Weaknesses here, and I like this, um, how Thomas Lee in his commentary defined it. He defined it as any form of human stumbling, bumbling, or failure. I like that. I feel like that's me. I stumble. I bumble around and I fail the Lord. Jesus totally understands the things we humans struggle with. Back then, you know, some of the ancient Greek thinkers in the, in the ancient world there, they were saying that God was apathetic towards man's needs. Some other Greek thinkers were saying God is just detached, you know. He's not involved in the affairs of human beings. And you know what? Many Jews believe that since God is holy, since God is righteous, since God is perfect and powerful, that He is incapable of having the same struggles that human beings have and really relating to human beings. They felt God was too distant from the nature of man to be able to identify with human beings. But the writer is telling, telling us something different, isn't he? The truth we see right here in verse 15 is that Jesus fully sympathizes with our struggles. He feels what we feel. How is that? How can he feel that? Well, look at verse 15 again. It's because Jesus was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. How can he feel that? How can he go through these struggles? Struggles. He's God. Well, in his humanity, right? He's the son of God, right? He came to this earth in flesh and became a man and went through everything we went through. We see in his humanity, Jesus felt the struggles. He felt the pressures of temptation. He experienced that pull, that tugging. He, he, he felt that, that pressure, the enticements. He went through the tricks that Satan plays on us. He faced the full range of temptations we face. But when facing the same temptations as we do, Jesus did so yet without sin. Jesus did not fail once. We know he was perfect, right? If he, if he, did, if he did fall into sin, then he could not atone for our sins. But Jesus was perfect in every way. Jesus understands, though, because he's been there. And even though he sits in heaven, you know what? He knows. He knows. He's there and knows. That's our heading. And actually, if you think about this for a little bit, because he didn't give into sin, he went through more than anyone 
has ever gone through. Listen to what uh, Gabion said in his commentary. He wrote, The sinless one knows the force of temptation in a way that we who sin do not. We give in before the temptation has fully spent itself. Only he who does not yield knows its full force. That makes sense to me, right? I mean, when we're tempted and we try and, we try and not, you know, give in, we're fighting, fighting, then we give in. We, we've given at, up to that point. We haven't felt the full force of that. Jesus has because he never gave in. So you see, Jesus went through what we go through and even more. Now, he may not in every specific way, but when it says here in all points in verse 15, it means Jesus faced the full range of, of temptations we face. He went through the same type, the same design of attacks and testings here. So what the writer is pointing out is this. You have a great high priest in heaven who can totally relate to you and all your struggles. Hear that today, you guys. You have a great high priest in heaven who can totally relate to you in all, all your struggles, you guys. He understands. He knows. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 2. Remember this verse, Hebrews 2, verse 18. Flip to the left or click to the left. You guys with your tablets and all. Hebrews 2, verse 18. Remember when we covered this, Hebrews 2, 18. It says here, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. We learned there, right? Jesus experienced the physical suffering that we go through, like hunger, thirst, tiredness, sleeplessness, the beatings, the whip, whippings, the torture, even the cross. We know that Jesus not only experienced the physical suffering, but Jesus experienced the emotional pain of sadness, a broken heart, grief, the death of a loved one, a betrayal, disappointment, abandonment. Jesus also experienced the spiritual trials and temptations like directly from the devil himself, from demons. He faced off demons, even unbelievers, the religious leaders, uh, taking on the weight of the sins of the world. He suffered through that. Jesus himself has suffered being tempted. So he knows. But knowing that, he knows how to help you. He knows how to aid you, and he's able to bring aid. So understand this. He understands. He knows. You have a great high priest in heaven who can totally relate to you and in all your struggles. He feels what you feel. He's felt that. He knows the hurt you're holding. He knows the pain that won't go away. Listen, he knows. Do you feel like maybe even in this room, even with your family, maybe even with your friends or your brothers in the Lord, do you ever feel like no one understands you? Do you feel like maybe right now you're alone in this and I feel like I'm the only one who's going through this, who feels like this? Do you feel like that no one can relate to, to what you're going through? Let, let me tell you, Jesus does. He knows. You have a great high priest in heaven who can totally relate to you and all your struggles. So you know what? Go to him. Go to the one who knows. 
Go to Him and find the compassion of God. Go to Him and find the same tears you cry. Go to Him and find the one who shares that same pain. You have a great high priest in heaven who can totally relate to you in all of your struggles. He knows your trials and troubles. He knows your loneliness. He knows your loss. He knows the weakness in you. He knows the temptation and the battle. He knows what it's like to be frustrated. He knows what it's like to be accused unjustly. He knows what it's like to be taken wrongly. He knows, do you hear me? He knows, he knows. He knows you guys. And that should bring great comfort to us. We should run to him right now. William Barclay, <clears throat> this commentator I read, he told of how this professor, John Foster of Glasgow University, came into his home one day in the 1930s to find his daughter. Uh, John Foster found his daughter uh, listening to the radio but was in tears. He asked her why and found that the news bulletin had contained this sentence, Japanese tanks entered Canton today. Now, Barclay says, most people would hear that with at the most a faint feeling of regret. Politicians may have heard it with grim foreboding, but to most people it did not make very much difference. Why was John Foster's daughter in tears? Because she had been born in Canton. To her, Canton meant a home, a nurse, a school, friends. The difference was that she had been there. When you have been there, it makes all the difference. Isn't that right? And what makes the difference here is that Jesus has been there. And I tell you, it's good to know that my Lord in heaven knows. He's there and knows. Well, let's go on there. Go on here to number three in our outline. He's there to help. He's there to help. We see number one, he's there in heaven. Number two, he's there and knows. And number three now, he's there to help. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, the writer now tells us, therefore. In other words, since Jesus is our great high priest, we personally know, and since he sympathizes, he understands all of our struggles, then you know what? Therefore, take the opportunity God's given to you to come boldly to the throne of grace. He's saying, go to God with all of your needs, all of your cries for help. He's saying, this is an open invitation from the Lord. Notice he writes boldly. That means with confidence, with freedom. When it says come, it means continually come, always come. It's like God saying, don't be shy. I'm welcoming you to always come to me. It's like the Lord saying, feel free to come. We see here the King of Heaven invites all believers to confidently come and approach Him. Think about this. This is amazing, you know. Think about in the ancient world. Think about the Jews even thinking about this. Normally, you can't just approach a king like that. 
I mean, if, if you look in the Old Testament, right, remember Esther, right? She could not approach the throne of a king unless she had permission to approach. And when she was asked, she was kind of afraid, like, oh, pray for me, because I could die, right? If I didn't have permission, I'd come before the king. Think about in the book of Nehemiah, remember how Nehemiah feared for his life in chapter 1? Because he was caught with a sad face in the presence of the king. And you could not even approach the king with a sad face. Yet the king, like Nehemiah, he was okay. But that, that was, that's the setting. And think about how radical this idea is even to the average Jew who grew up seeing only one high priest, only one time a year, to enter into the holiest holies where the ark was, where it represents the presence of the Lord. No one was allowed in there. Only the special high priest who was chosen to do that. Only it was once a year. He had to make the right sacrifices, make sure his sins were atoned for so he wouldn't die right there on the spot in the presence of the Lord. Only that high priest. But look what we're seeing here in verse 16, that any believer can what? Boldly, confidently, feel free to, be welcome to, enter into God's throne room. Well, we know why. Because Jesus made the way when he died on the cross, right? And you remember when he died, what happened back in the temple? Do you remember what happened? The curtain that was separating that inner area and the holiest of holies, what happened? Split in two from top to bottom. It's like God took both parts and went and just ripped it in half. And some of the priests who were ministering there could see into the holiest holies. They could see into that area where only the high priest could enter in. It was a symbol, right? That we can now enter into God's presence through the blood of Jesus. So now in Jesus, believers can come approach the king and boldly enter, what does it say here? The throne of grace. Don't you love that? I mean, these are verses we highlight, right? It should be highlighted in your Bible, but it says the throne of grace. You know what? It's not the throne of judgment. It's not the throne of wrath. But it's the throne where sits our gracious God, our Jesus Christ. And it's there when we enter into this throne of grace. It's there that we, it says here, obtain mercy. Remember, mercy is not getting what we deserve. And it's there we find grace. Remember, that's getting what we don't deserve. And what is that? The help. It's there by the mercy and grace of God that there is help in the time of need. I like how the NLT puts it. It translates it, there we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us. And I like this, when we need it most. Yeah? When it's emergency. Oh Lord, Lord, I need you right now. I can't, I'm I'm in this place, I'm in this time, I'm, I'm, I'm failing here, I'm falling, help me God. We could go to that throne of grace. Here's the idea, you guys. No matter what the problem is, no matter what the sin was that caused that problem, you can still go straight to God for, for His mercy and grace will be there to help you. That's how He's there to help. 
Now, this, this is mind-blowing to the Jews who are reading this. Because in the ancient times, the, the Jewish rabbis, you know what they believed? They believed there was two thrones in heaven. They could not reconcile God, like what they read in the Scripture, God being just and righteous and holy. But at the same time, they read in the Old Testament and their Scriptures that God is merciful. And he does forgive and give grace. But they couldn't reconcile and put those two things together. So they thought, you know what? There must be two thrones. God showed judgment on one throne and on the other throne he showed mercy. But what we find here, there's only one throne. Because in Jesus now, believers find this one throne. The throne of grace. I tell you guys, this is such an amazing invitation This is so amazing because think in context of where this verse is coming. Remember last week? We talked about the living Word of God, how it comes down, cuts deep, opens us up. It exposes us, right? Exposes our our weaknesses, our sins, our failures, those deep things, the things that we've been struggling with all these years. It exposes that so you can heal it. And we saw in verse 13 that all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him who we must give account. And what I see inside me isn't good. What I see inside me is sin. What I see inside me is my failure and, and how I mess things up. What I see in me is not, not something I like God for see, but He sees it, right? Yet, He still says, Come. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come and get some help. He sees it all. He sees my good and my bad. But He says, I love you and I want to help you how can he do that how is that you know what it's called grace grace and getting something i don't deserve he's holding back something i do deserve his judgment his punishment is i don't deserve that but through the blood of christ i've been cleansed and forgiven and there's grace there even as a christian as i failed him think about it this way my need is an opportunity for grace. C.H. Spurgeon said that our, infirmi- that our infirmities become platforms for the display of His grace. I love that. So we can come boldly. We can come confidently. We can come freely. We can come to Him because grace is there to meet us there. Well, our last point is this. We come to our last point, and this is it. The throne of grace is there for you at any time for anything and whatever help you need. The throne of grace is there for you at any time for anything and whatever help you need. I'm going to say this one more time because I want to get it into your heads and into your hearts, you guys. The throne of grace is there for you at any time for anything and whatever help you need long time ago you, you guys are older you, you remember how we used to have to run to the bank and 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 you know withdraw our cash before it closes remember that running have to run to the bank you know uh, before ATMs, you know, you really had to kind of plan, make sure that you withdraw your money before they close. Or that was it. No cash. What a weekend, right? 
And you had to make sure, right? Well, I got to make sure I go bank. I got to make sure I do that, yeah? And sometimes we're running late or you're, you know, you're at work. You got to run before the bank closes. But today, today, no, right? Today we have 24-hour ATMs. I mean, think, think about this, right? Uh, for me, I, I love technology, so this is kind of fun. You don't even need your debit card anymore to withdraw cash from your ATM. You just use your phone, I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, Banco, oh, I got the Banco app. And all you do is, well, how much money you like and all this. You know, once you sign in and everything. And then there's a little, little symbol. It just scans and boop, the money comes out. You have to press no buttons or nothing, right? Or maybe just a, a card, cardless cash button or on the screen. And then hold your phone and boop, the thing comes out. It's like, oh, keep it coming, you know, right? <laughs> kind of thing. But amazing, right? And not only that. You can do all your banking on the phone. Do you guys do that? I, I'm starting to do that even more. I can deposit a check. I just take a picture of the check, yeah, and then whoo, whoo, it goes, it deposits into my bank account, and you just, you just uh, shred the check after that. I can, I can transfer funds. Oh, Justin, you owe me. <laughs> Boom, that's mine. Yeah. You, you can pay your bills. I was paying a couple bills just on my phone the other day, right? You don't have to go into the bank. You don't have to do that. Online, you can even do that, right? Anytime, day or night, the bank never closes for you. Why don't you think about this? That's similar with God. The throne of grace never closes. The throne of grace is always available. The throne of grace is always open to you. You never see, yeah, when you start praying and you go to God, you never see a sign you come to, sorry, I'm closed, God. No, the throne of grace is always open. Jesus makes his grace and mercy available round the clock, you guys. God is giving you and I an open invitation to find help right now in your time of need. You can come to Jesus who has all the resources of heaven available to use at a moment's notice. Think of it this way. He wants to answer your cry and bring you into that rest remember we've been talking about that rest in the past few weeks the throne of grace is there for you at any time for anything and whatever help you need understand as you come to jesus as you come to him through his blood and our confession and our forgiveness under his blood no matter what you did whether good or bad deserve it or not god's grace is there for you Understand, nothing is beyond God's reach. No matter what someone maybe have done to you, no matter what the government has done, no matter what your employer has done, no matter how big the need is, no matter how small, no matter how serious the situation is, don't think that, well, I, I only can go to God for the giant things. Yeah, Go to Him for anything. And no matter what it is, God's grace is there for you, nothing is out of reach for him. John Blanchard said, grace has long arms. So go to Jesus. Don't be shy. Don't be shamed. Don't think he doesn't want you there. Don't think you've messed it up too much. Don't think he, he won't receive you. Who's at the door? No, don't let him in. No. Go to the place of grace where you find mercy not punishment. Where you find love, not rejection. Where you find grace, not condemnation. Go where, where grace will never run dry. What do you think? 
Do you think God's grace will get used up? Yeah. Well, I don't know. All the bad people in the world might have used up this grace. You know, maybe there's not enough for me. You know, sometimes we have that mentality. You know, I don't know. You play your video games and all oh, my shields are going, or I'm I'm losing all of my weapons, power, and all that. Shh, no more. Oh no, I'm dead. Right? You think God's grace is like that? No. God's grace will never run dry. I'll close with this. A, a boy had an accident and uh, was in an accident and he was taken to the hospital. And after he was treated and he was made comfortable in, a, in the hospital bed, a nurse brought him this large glass of milk. He looked longingly at it, but he didn't pick it up. See, he had come from a very poor family where he always went hungry. And there wasn't enough food. And, and if there ever was even a glass of milk, it was only partly filled. And then he had to share it with the rest of his family. So he was looking at it. Finally, he looked up at the nurse and said, How deep may I drink? And the nurse replied, Drink it all. There's more. You guys, drink of his grace. It'll never run dry. Drink it all for there's more so what's holding us back what's holding you back do you have a need is there things going on in your life right now are you struggling with a situation has circumstances come upon you you're feeling that pressure and you don't know what to do you don't you know how to you don't know how to get through it are you struggling with temptation and sin has has God opened up your heart and you looked inside and you're going, whoa, like from last week, yeah? and you're going, Lord, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to be healed of this. I've been carrying this for all my life. I don't know what to do. Go to the throne of grace. Continue to go to the throne of grace. Go boldly, confidently, knowing God is saying, come. His arms open wide saying, come, come, let me help you. Come, I'm here for you. Come, I can fix it. Come, I want to be there for you. I can comfort you. I can strengthen you. I can free you. I can get you through another day, another hour, another minute, another second. Just come, come. Let's go directly, you guys, to the throne of grace. Let's pray. God, as you are reaching out to us right now through the words in these verses, through the sentences and the phrases, God, your truth is looking straight at us, Lord. And it is as if your eyes are staring into our eyes and its eyes of love, its eyes of mercy, its eyes of grace. And we see your arms open wide saying, come, come boldly, come confidently, come confidently, in my love for you. Come confidently in my forgiveness and grace for you. Come confidently that I am here for you and I will not reject you. And Lord, we, we are here, Lord, crying to you. We need you. We need your help, God. We need you to rescue us, save us from ourselves, save us from our situations, give us strength to get through our trials, Lord. Lord, supernaturally we need that. We've tried everything we can. We try to control the situation, but we cannot. It's out of our hands, and now we're in despair. Lord, help us today, God. 
Help us, Jesus. We expected this. We expected that. We expected someone to do this, and they didn't. We expected we're hurt, Lord. God, we need you. We know you're the answer, and we know you're the only one that can help. And we know, God, you see right now, staring at us, is the truth that there's a throne of grace waiting. Lord, I pray for anyone here right now that is struggling, that is stressing out, that is just going through so much. It's the hardest thing in their whole life. It's the worst of times. God, I pray that you would be there for them. As our eyes are closed right now and just our heads bowed, I believe God is reaching out to many of you here and I believe that he wants you to come to him. I believe that the Spirit wants to help you and to strengthen you. And and I want to pray for you, but I want to ask you, if you're struggling and you would like prayer and God has been speaking to you, I'm asking you to just get up from your seat and come forward right now. Get up from your seat. Come forward. I know for some of you, that's a huge thing to do. What? People going to see me. What? There's no shame here. Because we all have been through it. We all go through things. But if you want to show the Lord that you believe that He can help, that you believe in Jesus, that He's there for you, and that, that <coughs> He wants you to come to His throne of grace, then come forward, showing the Lord that I need to go to your throne right now. Just get up right now and come forward. Get up right now. Perhaps you've been struggling with your faith. Even your faith. You've been doubting the Lord and, 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 and you feel guilty about it. But at the same time, you're having a hard time with it. You, you feel bad. You feel like, I can't go to the Lord because I've been struggling with my faith. And, and it's, I've been going through some hard times and God, I've been even angry at you. But you know the Lord is calling you and loving on you right now. He's saying, it's okay. It's all right. I still want to help you. It's okay. Jesus is saying, remember, even a mustard seed faith can move mountains. So even if you have enough faith to get up and come forward, I want to help you with your doubt. Perhaps this morning you you know you need to recommit your life to Jesus because you're here and you've been coming because hope. Things in life has gotten really bad, but it's bringing you back to Jesus. But you need to really, really formally, officially just give your life and recommit your life to the Lord. Get up and come forward right now. Come forward and I'll pray for you. Come forward and we're going to pray together. Anyone else here? Show the Lord that you want to be committed, surrendered to Him. Show the Lord that you need Him so much. There's nothing else in this world. There's nothing else. You tried it all, and it doesn't work. And you need Jesus right now. Come forward. Say, Lord, I need you. I'm going to show you that I mean it. I need you. Because when you get up and step forward, God sees 
your heart. God sees that you mean it. God sees that you're tired of running. You're tired of playing games. and You're serious about him. And his grace is here to receive you. Anyone else? Lord, I pray for these guys that have come up right now. Lord, I pray over them right now that you would touch their heart, Lord. That your Holy Spirit would come and fill them right now. That they would sense you like they never did before. That your very presence, Lord, even in this room, that we would, we would open up ourselves to that you're here right now. And that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, I pray for these here right now that you would strengthen them, that you would give them the power and ability to get through, that as they come to you, Lord, that they would find answers, direction, wisdom, guidance, Lord, that they would find healing, God, that you would free them from the bondage of sin, that habitual sin that they've been so easily tempted of. God, I pray that you would, Lord, as your word says, come inside and live inside them. For we are crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet Christ lives in me. Those of you who have come forward, I want you to repeat after me, all right? And anyone out there, you can repeat too and say this prayer. So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my doubt. I believe in you. And I come for help. I see your grace. I see your love. Forgive me and cleanse me and make me a new person. Strengthen me today. Guide me today as I give my life to you. I commit everything. I surrender all. Help me to see you for who you are. My Lord, my Savior, Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. <clears throat> you guys can go have a seat. Let's all stand together. If anyone, um, if any of you guys really after uh, the service will be up here ready to pray with you. And uh, I ask that even if you came forward, that you come back. Don't worry about the chairs. We'd like to talk with you, pray with you, the pastors, and uh, some of the women will be up here too. If anyone out there needs prayer, if God has been speaking to you, and maybe you need help in specific prayer, God wants to help you, and we'll pray with you, and we'll go, through, go to the throne room of grace together.